Hey guys, and welcome back to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. This is the part two episode with Dr. Jen Hardy. And in this episode, we explore Dr. Jen's experience stepping into the larger wellness arena through the digital space of social media. We explore her experience and her why, and we unpack things like the ideas around Insta therapy and what it means to be a clinician in the digital space. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm passionate about supporting therapists and building profitable, sustainable, and meaningful private practices. Are you ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Let's dive in. Okay, so you are a therapist in private practice, but you are also a therapist who has stepped into the digital world of social media and Instagram. Talk me through your decision to step into it. What was sort of the why that kind of drove your decision to do that? Um, and also, what are your thoughts about this whole Insta therapy debacle? Oh, well, let's start with that one. Um, I yeah. Think that- I don't know. It might've been over a year ago that I first did an Instagram isn't therapy post. And I don't even know. I don't know what prompted. I don't remember half the time that what motivated or inspired these posts, but Instagram is great for psychoeducation. Yes. Um, Therapy involves a relationship. Psychotherapy involves evaluating, diagnosing and treating yeah, and we're not evaluating, diagnosing, and treating anybody on Instagram. Where I would tell people, like, you shouldn't be doing that because that's inappropriate. Yeah. Um, so it's not therapy, but I get we're therapists, and that's just a catchy, easy term, and so people are defaulting to that. Yes, it's very clickbaity. Yeah, <laughs> clickbaity, and it 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 helps the newspaper if they don't have a lot of space for the title that you can cover a lot in a a little bit. Um, So why did I step on to social media? I mean, it's interesting because very few of my clients even know that I have a social media account, ironically. Um, I specialize in issues of older adulthood. I would say that um, 30 to 40% of my practice um, are Medicare recipients. And Mm -hmm. um, most 70-year-olds aren't on Instagram. Right, right. Um, 80 year olds also aren't on Instagram. So, I mean, I think they'd be like, now wait, what is this thing that you're on? So, I just, it's not really been relevant to bring up. Um, And I know they don't have the app. And, um, and I don't, I don't need it to market. I don't do telehealth. So, why, why am I on there? Um, I, once I had gotten into private practice a couple of years, I said, okay, you know, I'm feeling good. I've got this all figured out, but there was this lingering feeling of like, I want to do something else too, not instead of, but like something in addition. And I sat with this feeling for a long time. I'm a really intuitive person. So I just sat with it and figured I'd kind of come to my answer if if I waited long enough and I was struggling 
Um, another specialty of mine is career-related issues. So I don't know if you're familiar with John Holland and the strong interest inventory. Yeah. Have you taken that test? I have. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a while ago, but I have. So, you know, it's like I know what my code is. And I thought, well, shoot, I'm going to need to help myself out here. I, I'm a SIA, so um, Social Investigative Artistic, pretty cliche therapist code there. And I think, yeah. well, that artistic side, um, I don't use as much in private practice. And when I had taken that test in undergrad, that A was one of the times was my highest code. So I thought, okay, I need to do something creative. And I sat and I sat with that for, for a while. And I thought, I want to write. I like to write. And, and then pretty soon after that, I came up with an idea for uh, a book. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I wrote it. And when I got to the end of the book, I thought, now I've got to figure out how I sell this book. I had explored different options. I really wanted to do the traditional publishing route. And um, I talked to an old professor from, she's not old, a former professor. Um, and she connected me with um, Lori Minst who uh, has published several books. Um, she's a sex therapist. And she, Lori was so nice. She had never met me, talked with me um, on the phone, giving me advice on how to enter into the publishing world. And she was like, Jen, you know, this is hard to hear, but I'm going to, you need honest truth. And I'm thinking, yes, please. She said, "Um, you're not going to get any traction unless you have a platform. So you need to come up with a platform. And she had suggested Instagram. She's like, really just write about whatever you want to write about, um, but just try to build up a platform before you start submitting. And that, that was why I, I started in October In October will be two years. Wow. Um, yeah. So I'm way better as a writer um, because of this daily practice of oh, yeah. coming up with post ideas Um and I like that my platform has grown quite a bit, but it's grown sort of slowly over time. Mm-hmm. I can adjust to it because I'm an introvert and the idea of um, 50,000 people, um, that's, in, that's intimidating. Um, but it's kind of been, it's something that I've been able to slowly adjust to. Yeah because there has sort of been that slow growth. Okay, so what I, Jen, you just are like adding different narratives to these experiences today that is so wonderful because I think a lot of folks imagine, well, why should I go on Instagram if I'm a therapist is, oh, must be to market my practice, right? And that was not the case for you, right? Like, and like very much like not even a part of it. Like your clients, you're not getting clients from Instagram. Like your clients are not even, don't even know that you're on Instagram. And so I, I just, I love that you're, that you're adding these other whys to the narrative. Like I, I find for myself that in the very beginning, Instagram was how I was marketing my practice. And it was a key component in mm-hmm. my creating a full practice. And it's a key component in what keeps my practice consistently full. But I do like, but I do now, like, I don't, 
I don't need more growth in my practice, right? Like it's nice that I think social media does help keep my practice full because I'm not even trying to market my practice. Like I'm not on Instagram saying, hey, I am in private practice and I need, I'm taking new clients, but clients do keep coming from social media, um, either through teletherapy or because other clinicians or friends or family follow and then share my contact info with somebody that they think could be a good fit. Uh-huh. So it has been key. But for me, more recently, I have found that I'm I'm more interested in connecting with other therapists through the app um, because of, one, my value of community and connection, but also because I have e-courses that I am creating to support other therapists who are interested in modernizing their private practices or stepping into private practice. And so... You know, what's interesting is that as my um, like Dr. Cassidy account has slowly grown, I find that I'm like losing the like connections that I felt like I had in the beginning because sure. I don't mm-hmm. always see everybody's stuff and I don't know if they always see mine. And so it's so like I always do this. Like I had an account before when I was blogging, um, doing more creative work, um, kind of being a hidden um therapist. I wasn't like out as a therapist on that account. Yeah. And I was blogging and doing creative work. And then the minute it hit this like certain level, um, I think it would hit like 20,000 followers. I was like, okay, you know what? Like I'm, I feel like I've done here what I want to do, but I want to like start something new as a therapist and grow these like connections again. And now that doc- my Dr. Cassidy account has grown, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm losing the connection again. So I created the private account holding space for therapists because I think that my why, if I really let myself connect with it, which sometimes I lose touch of, I think we all can sometimes, sure. but my why is connection. I want to like be in the DMs with people and like connecting in that way. And numbers doesn't always equate to like those quality connections. And so I, I find that when I lose touch with my why of community and connection, along with like what I'm also trying to support by bringing in these e-courses, if I lose touch with that, then I get super creatively blocked on like what to post about, or I'm posting about things that maybe aren't exactly what I want, like I want to be talking about, like there mm-hmm. isn't like alignment. So I really do think that connecting with our why and trying to not get so caught up in what others otherwise might be is so critical. I don't know. Have you had that experience of ever yeah. losing touch with your why? Yeah. Um, well, for sure. Cause you know, I was, when I first joined, I felt, I don't know if resentment's the right word for it, but I really resented the idea that here I had gone and done this very hard thing. Yeah. And now I'm going to have to go and do this, what felt like hoop jumping mm. in order to even get my name considered. And yeah. I really struggled with this and felt like this isn't me. This doesn't really fit with, you know, who I am to be a like a public figure. Um, and I had to get over that. And how I was able to get over that was I realized like, okay, I can write on here and I can get better as a writer. And I did, I started to get to know people. Now, if you Google how to build an Instagram following, they're going to, what they should title those is how to be a spam artist who doesn't get their account deleted. 
And, you know, I was trying I was trying to follow, sorry, but you know, (laughs) they're like, just follow 6,000 people and see who follows you back and then unfollow all of them. I didn't go to that extreme, but I was following a ton of people and it felt really unsustainable because the people that I was getting to know, they wouldn't show up in my feed because I was following 2,000 people. And I thought, you know, if you are someone listening to this account who I used to follow you, but I don't follow you anymore, know that it wasn't anything about you. It was about me just honoring, like, I would rather have, like, relationships with people that I'm following yeah. than just yeah. um, following because you're following me. Um, and so I just found that the more I reduced that number that I'm following, mm-hmm. wasn't overwhelmed with content and ideas from so many different places. And I could keep the relationships with a few people because I'm an introvert, right? Versus tons and tons of people. Because I'm just, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not going to be able to do that in a way that doesn't drain me. um, Drain me. Yeah. And you have to honor, you have to honor yourself in that space. Just like we, you know, we want to honor our needs in other spaces too. But I think that in the digital world, it's really easy to lose touch with like our needs and like, and honoring them because there is that sort of, that jolt of, that jolt of energy and um, that you get, that positive jolt you get when you, when you get a like or a comment and like you're scrolling and like the addictive quality of that. And, but you're just, you're bringing in so much information. And I imagine for you as a writer, like you have to be really protective sometimes of like what you're letting in, because that can overwhelm creativity. Like if you are getting so much data in, that can absolutely get in the way of your own process. So I imagine for you, that was also really relevant. Like if your why of coming on here is to grow your platform because you've written this thing that you want to share with the world and you're going to practice your writing skills, then you have to be, you don't want to just follow people to get followers. (laughs) Like you, you want to be super intentional about, about your process of what you're letting in and, and how you're showing up in that space. Yeah. And I think that it helps that, um, being a little older, like I'm glad that I wasn't, you know, I got, I graduated with my master's degree when I was 23. Yeah. Um, that was a while ago. <laughs> I think if I would have been 23 and I'm trying to figure out my professional identity in the midst of getting so many other people's professional identities, I know personally that would have been harder for me to navigate yeah. And, you know, keep these other voices back. And I think being a little older and having been in practice a while, I had a pretty secure sense of what my voice was, who I am and and who I'm not, and um, not um, trying to mimic other people, right? And so I'm like, okay, I have my own voice here and um, I don't need to be like somebody else. Um, But I get that that's kind of the tendency of social media is saying, man, that post exploded for that person. Like how do I do something like that so that my post explodes? And I I feel like that is a recipe for a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. and resentment. Um, Oh, 
all of those things and burnout and and you then you can lose authenticity in that and if let's say your goal for this your why is to market your practice if you're not showing up in the space with your authentic voice then you're not going to pull in your ideal client and that's that's also a recipe for that's also a recipe for you know <laughs> burnout and all those things and so so Jen, as we're wrapping up here, is there any message that you have that you'd want to share with maybe a therapist who's just getting started, maybe not even licensed yet, and is seeing how therapists are showing up in this digital space on social media, and they're considering doing that, but also, as we've kind of talked about, can be really overwhelming and it's easy for it to be a painful place to be in too, where resentment and burnout and comparison can show up. And so if you could share a message with a therapist who's just stepping into that space, what would you want to say? Oh, there are so many things that I would say. Um, well, well, for one, remember that most of these people aren't actually in competition with you. If you are looking to build your practice in your town, most of the therapists that are on Instagram are probably not in your town, right? And so, right, if people are going to be driving to your office, right, it's just about being visible. And um, it's easy to keep moving the measuring stick just out of reach mm. or comparing yourself against the almost anomalies of people who are just, you know, really wildly successful and saying, okay, just because I'm looking ahead at them doesn't mean that there aren't a whole load of people right where I'm at. And, and how many people do I really have to have before somebody who might stumble upon my account account gets, gets curious about me. Um, mm. I would remember that many people who are on here who seem like they're on here a lot because they have big followings are probably doing things other than marketing their practice, right? They have e-courses yeah. or books or want to do speaking or national level writing. Yeah. And if that's not your game, then, then don't, you know, don't worry about it because they are it's apples and oranges to try to compare yourself mm -hmm. against them and that you can be really successful just doing what you are doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, I love one it. other caveat that I would say is um, remember that everything that we post on Instagram is public. Um, yeah. Part of why supervisors caution therapists about the level of self-disclosure that they offer to clients is clients get confidentiality and we don't. And so honoring this boundary of it's okay to have a private life. It's okay to take your time to decide what you disclose and how you disclose it. And that you don't have to show up and have your person, your whole personhood be your brand that most of us are not doing that. And we are still being authentic um, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, finding that balance. I think you look at influencers who aren't therapists and wow, they are really, um, disclosing yeah. quite a bit and there are safety concerns for therapists and yeah. we want to be, um, uh, you know, we've all heard stories of therapists who have been in unsafe situations and part of how we protect our own safety is deciding how much we share of the personal details of our life. 
not for the 99.9% of clients, but for that 10th of a percent of clients who um, could pose a risk to us down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like ending on a bummer note there. No, you're not, Jen. You're ending on a really important note. I think that like, you know, it's right. The mom and me is like, no, let's make sure. No, no. Like becoming a parent myself really shifted those sort of things. Like, so I was sharing earlier that I had another account and it was tied to a blog and I was sharing a lot more on there. I wasn't using my real last name and I wasn't sharing that I was a therapist and I was still in school. And it was once I graduated, I was like, okay, no longer comfortable with this. I was also um, a parent to a young child and I was no longer comfortable with it. It shifted things for me. And now you know, on, um, on social media, I'm pretty boundaried when it comes to certain parts of my life, you know, for example, you know, I don't share pictures of my kids, um, or their names or my partner. Um, and you know, there are a lot, there's a lot that I don't share about my life. You know, people, you just like, they just get this little bit of things that I'm feeling comfortable in sharing. You know, for instance, yesterday I did share a post about pregnancy loss Mm -hmm. and spoke a little bit about my own experience. And that's because that's a wound that is now a scar. Like this is something that I've done a lot of work on. And there was a period of time where I couldn't see clients who had experienced pregnancy loss and a a period of time where I would not be speaking about that on podcasts or on social media. And so, yeah, there's a lot of intention that goes into the decision around what's going to be shared and what's not going to be shared. And so I think it's a lot more relevant. Um, I heard that video and I thought you did such a great job uh, of modeling how we can share in a way that still has some boundaries around it, right? Like you were sharing very openly about your experience, but keeping details that were important to be private to you private. And I think that's a, you I watched that video and I was like, okay, I didn't know this about you. This is a vulnerable sharing, but you did it in a way where um, you're also um, offering yourself some trust that you're not going to put yourself in a situation where you've overshared and feel too exposed. Thank you. Thank you for saying that because there was a lot of intention and thought that goes into it. Um, went into sharing that. And a couple of the pieces are I'm considering my clients. Like I have, I work with clients who have experienced pregnancy Mm -hmm. loss or are pregnant and have a lot of anxiety around pregnancy loss, um, around losing the pregnancy. You know, I also, um, there are certain symbols around that loss that are just my, like symbols that are mine and my family's. Um, And so there's, there's, there's lots that isn't shared. Right. And so I, you know, really trying to be intentional about what is being shared, how it's being shared, showing pieces of myself and ourselves um, while being really thoughtful and intentional about how we're doing it. And so, yeah, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad that you actually saw what I shared and you could reflect back your own experience because, you know, it's, it's, 
it is sort of, you know, we, we are putting ourselves out there when we're sharing even little bits. And so I just think putting the intention into it and thought before we're doing it is, is just good. It's good practice, you know, for ourselves and for our clients and for our families. Yeah. I think about the, the pendulum that metaphor, right. And um, what we're seeing now is this reaction to the pendulum having been very much on the extreme of the blank slate. And what we yeah. want to avoid doing is swinging the opposite direction of, you know, oversharing and not having boundaries because there, there's ways where that could hurt clients or make them feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah. We are probably running out of time, but I'll share this one anecdote too, where we have to consider it in cultural context. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. from the South, but I live in the South and having acculturated here, understanding that there are things that I wouldn't even think about that they consider. And so I work with a lot of older adults, so a lot of older women, and just them even knowing that I have kids, I've had multiple women feel very reluctant about being my last appointment for the day. Oh, because <laughs> I have kids and they are keeping yeah. me from my kids and my kids. And they aren't saying it in a way of, oh, you shouldn't work, but in a, I, it's hard for them to ask for help if they know that there is someone else that might need help. Right. And that's their dynamic and we've got to talk through it. But um, I mean, they don't know anything about my kids except that I have kids. It's hard to avoid that when you've got a schedule around spring breaks and fall breaks and schools closed. Right. Um, But I just always think about that when I consider my disclosures is um, it could be a pretty benign thing that, Um, thankfully these are women that have felt honest and comfortable enough to share it with me. And I think how many more clients have felt these things, but they haven't felt comfortable bringing it into the room. Yeah. 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 And, you know, sharing on social media and, and on my podcast, when I have shared a personal anecdote or a part of my own experience, um, I've actually had, I've actually had the experiences where, a client has either listened to a podcast or heard that on social media and then has chosen to bring it up in session. Mm-hmm. And I think that people might hear that and sort of like freak out, like, oh no, like how do like people, they know something about you. And like, it was something that was shared outside of the session. I've actually found that in those cases, clients have heard something they on, on their own terms, they have they have had time to sort of think about it. And then they have had the agency to decide when or how they want to bring up something that they either connected with or that they, um, from their own experience or something that came up for them when they heard about something that I shared. And it has actually been really empowering um, from those experiences for the client to have the agency in how they bring it up. Um, and so it's sort of a way of self-disclosing where then clients get to decide what they want to do with that self-disclosure. Now, again, I'm, there are if somebody's not bringing something up, I don't I don't necessarily know that. But what I am doing is I am sharing in my informed consent and like in my first sessions with clients, um, my social media sort of spiel, which is. I am on social media, like you are welcome to, to follow my professional accounts. You are not obviously not required to or have to, um, I will not follow you back and I will not engage with you on social media. Anything that you comment or share, 
um, is, you know, that is, that is your decision, but there is like, there's also the risks of confidentiality um, and the potentiality of anything that's shared could, you know, could somehow be connected to the work that we're doing um, or become a part of the work that we're doing. Um, If there's anything online that you want to share with me, please share it in session. And, you know, if there's something that I share on social media that, um, that impacts you or that you feel like is going to impact our work, um, that I, you know, that I invite them to, to bring that up, just like if anything in our work comes up that they want to talk about in terms of the process of our therapeutic relationship and work, um, that I, I hope that we can have those conversations and, and I'll do check-ins, you know, to sort of check in on that as we're building the relationship. So it's been really meaningful where I've had some of my clients do know about my accounts and I've actually somewhat recently had a couple of people who have first found me on Instagram and the story is like I was following you and then I realized, oh, wow, you, you're in Marvel because <laughs> they, you know, you just assume people aren't yeah. from here, um, yeah. but it becomes, it's all grist for the mill and it's stuff that they can talk about and they can bring up and not all of those posts are going to resonate, but some will. And um, I studied attachment and uh, I did my dissertation on attachment to therapist. And um, I've had clients speak to this idea of, I feel like I get to maintain a little more of an attachment to you in between appointments because I can read what you're writing about and I can go back to old posts or I could go and look at a picture of you if I'm feeling upset and it brings me some comfort. And I think, wow, what like a wonderful thing from an otherwise like problematic social media platform, right? It's it's kind of awesome. And I feel like we're writing what social media for therapy um, is going to look like for generations to come. And I just, I like that we're being intentional and having a lot of conversations and accepting that we're going to get some things wrong, but we're going to get a lot of things right. And um, hopefully we can help some people in the process. Oh, I just got chills. Um, So I just made, I just made a decision right now, Jen, that I'm going to divide our episode into two episodes. I think there's two episodes in this. I think there's like our first half, which was around the um, being a therapist, taking like your journey and being in a rural area and insurance. And then there's this like whole social media piece and like the why piece. So we've got, we just, we just recorded two podcast episodes, Jen. That's good. That's good. Um, Cause I love doing podcasts. But I don't think oh, I want yeah. to do my own. I don't think I'd want to do the work of it, but I like just showing up and talking. Hey, will you ever have an idea of an episode? You just you just call me, Jen. Well, I I've got I've got a I've got a platform here for you. I'll we'll, we'll put it on these podcasts. Uh, well, thank you so much, Jen. It was so wonderful to connect with you. So let's in wrapping up here, where can people find you? Um, what do you have in the works? And yeah, how can people find you? And I'll be sure to include any anything you share in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so I do most of my writing on Instagram. So at Dr. Jen Hardy, I have a website, the same www.drjenhardy.com. What I like there is if you click on the writing section, you can get links to everywhere that I've been online uh, in terms of podcasts like this, um, interviews, blog posts, also, all of my newsletters are archived there, um, and so consider signing up for the newsletter. 
Um, I only send one out about every three months and I realize like, oh shoot, I'm supposed to write a newsletter in three days. So this is why I call it a quarterly-ish newsletter. Like yeah. about every three months. So I'm not flooding people's inbox. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone wants to do that or wants to be on the receiving end of that. But um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Well, Jen, thank you again so much for doing this. It has been such a joy to get a chance to connect with you for the past hour. Amazing. I'm like, you know, when when else do we get a chance to like actually sit down virtually at least with somebody that we've connected with online? But so thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. It's been such it's been great to talk to you, not just in comments and right? Yeah, actually in exactly. conversation. So thanks for inviting me, um, inviting me on here. I really hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. Ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Click the link in the show notes for Modern Therapist Academy, a comprehensive e-course to support you in building and growing your private practice. Thank you for inviting me and my guests into your day. Be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear when new episodes launch. Have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.